Good evening and welcome back. We are here in week two of this series, which is called What is Love? And this week I'm talking about the law of attraction. And I want to start with a story that was shared with me uh, at some point. So there was a girl who was visiting her friend for the summer. And, you know, they were hanging out. They were doing things that you do in the summer, going to movies, going to fairs, all that stuff. Uh, And a boy saw her, just a random guy. Uh, And, you know, he saw her and he was so attracted, so immediately attracted to her that he just ran up and he was, he admitted right away that he was obsessed with her. And, and, you know, like, hey, what's your name? Who are you? Where'd you come from? Where did, who are you? Blah, blah, blah. Over and over and over again. And he's within like just a couple inches of her face talking to her, which is creepy and weird and hard to handle sometimes, you know, as people that, that, that will do that. And so uh, she kind of ignored him, you know, she said her name and went off with her friend, like, you know, I'm here, we're hanging out. And he followed her. And, you know, he would keep saying things every once in a while. And, and even though she ignored her, even though that she kept walking away, uh, he, he kept talking to her and talking at her and things like that. And then he puts her in a dangerous situation. Uh, literally, he kind of essentially puts her life at risk just to be near her and puts his arm around her and just starts introducing himself and saying all these things and how she should date him, how she should want him, how he wants her, how he loves her, all of this stuff really, really fast and, and obsessive. And then, you know, she's still kind of like, dude, come on, space. Uh, and, and, you know, she's with a guy at this point, and she's like, space, come on. And, and then he puts his own life on the line. He essentially threatens his own life to say, hey, if you don't go out with me, you know, who knows what's going to happen, which is bad. And, and, you know, finally she says yes, just to, to get him safe. And then, you know, she goes off, and her plan is to ignore him. Her plan is to stay away from him. Her plan is to, to just, you know, make this not happen and go out the summer. Uh, and... You know, so she's out with her friend again, and he crashes it again. And they're going to the movies, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to join along. I'm going to come along, because you promised. And, you know, she's on the spot, and it's weird, and it's starting to get scary. And so he goes with her. He manipulates her. He gaslights her. Uh, He keeps saying things like, yeah, you just don't like me because your parents don't want you to. Or you just always do what they say. You just always care about what other people think. And, you know, really doing this manipulation and messing with her head. You're not daring enough. You know, you, you never do what you want. All of these things just to really trick her, really confuse her, really shake her confidence. And, you know, he puts her in danger again and again. And, and you know, he's just always there. He never takes no for an answer. He always hangs out with her. Uh, but because he's always there, because he keeps gaslighting her, because he keeps manipulating her, because he keeps saying all of these things, eventually she kind of starts to accept it and starts to accept that this is what she deserves, starts to accept that, oh, he really does love me because he's this obsessive, because he does this, because he's cute, all of these things. And so they fall for each other, even though it drives her away from her family, from her friends. Unfortunately, that's a common story that a lot of people have lived through. It's also the plot to the notebook. And I say that because that's not how we look at the notebook. We look at the movie, the notebook, the book, the notebook, very differently because Ryan Gosling, hot. Rachel McAdams, attractive. And so you look at the relationship and all of this creepy stuff that I just read, it absolutely happens. Actually, most of it happens in the first 15 minutes. And yes, I've watched it several times, but it's, it's, it's good. And yes, I've gone alone to watch it, but hey, it is what it is. But we, because of how they look, because we're conditioned to accept things in a certain way based on that, it's like, oh, that's okay. But if you take away Ryan Gosling and you put in 
some creepy looking guy or you put in somebody who doesn't fit the standard of, of attraction. You put in somebody who, who just looks different or, or maybe isn't as clean or, or isn't as charming or whatever. Then it becomes a super creepy horror movie. Now, I'm not saying don't watch The Notebook. I'm not saying, you know, romantic comedies are evil. What I'm saying is we're conditioned by certain things and looks are one of them. That's why I'm talking about attraction this week. And that's why I talked about respect first because you have to respect yourself. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say looks don't matter because everyone has to feel that attraction. Now, I'm talking primarily in dating, but even with friends, even, even with people with common interests, like there's a different level of attraction, not physical, but it's like, well, I'm attracted to the way that they think, or I'm attracted to, to the things that they like. Those types of things build friendships. But when it comes to dating, when it comes to those types of relationships, obviously, you know, your first impression is mostly what you see. Now, you can meet people online, you can meet people in that way, but, but most of the time it's what you see, and so that really has an impact. And then you see something like The Notebook, which has such a sweet ending, kind of, and it has such a sweet story, not really. And it's like, well, this is what I want, I want this so bad, but then you actually think about that. And it's like, wait a second, he literally threatened to kill himself if she didn't say yes. That's not cool, that's not sweet, but he's hot. And her friends were probably saying, but he's hot. All of these things, people say this. I am not going to stand here, like I said, and say looks don't matter, but I want to go to the scripture right now. 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Don't be concerned with the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unending beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now, obviously, you've seen TV shows before, you've seen movies before, and anytime someone says, you know, I've got a blind date for you, they've got a wonderful personality. We know that's code for, oh, they're not going to be attractive. You know, they're not going to hit it off. Because again, looks. Now, movies and TV shows, that doesn't matter, because that's who the actors are, and that's what, who makes the most money, and all of that stuff. And do I wish it were different? Sure. But the point is, this scripture is saying, it's Peter saying, hey, that's not all that matters. Now, again, you're going to notice that. And these things are, are, are things that notice. And it doesn't just apply to other people. Uh, one of the things that I struggle with very much is my own looks. Uh, I, I hate the way that I look. I, I very much avoid mirrors. I, it bothers me the way that my shirts fit, the way that my pants fit, things like that. Uh, I go to the gym. I do all of these things to, to really work at it. It's not bad to go to the gym. It's not bad to eat healthy. Those things are good. But it can become such a, a downfall for me in terms of confidence, which is already kind of low. And there are now, you know, we're going towards the, the point of time where there are commercials of people that don't look like the standard uh, a beauty magazine model thing. And it's like, hey, you know, beauty is beauty and all of that. And it's true, but it's going to take a while. And then in your own confidence, you still compare yourself to other people. You know, you still compare yourselves to the Bradley Coopers, to the Dean Winchesters. Jensen Ackles is his actual name. But you still compare yourself to, to them, and you still think of that. Uh, and again, it's not bad to want to look better, to, but you want to do it for the right reasons. Now, th this says, remember, it's what within, what's within that matters. So no matter how you deal with your outward appearances, no matter how attractive you are or aren't, whatever, that inner beauty is what really matters. Now again, when it comes to dating, when it comes to, to relationships, you know, attracting, attraction, it's different, beauty is neither the beholder, all of that stuff. And so while it's okay to, to, you know, want to be attracted to whoever you date, whoever you're married to, good. But still, don't let that be a compromise. 
uh, I have in my time known people, at, I've been at three different churches now to, to youth pastor. And way back in the past, when I first started, I would have parents who, who would, I would hear them tell their, their kids, boys or girls, be like, hey, you know, yeah, you should go to prom with them because they're super attractive. You know, and he, sometimes the kid is even like, yeah, but, but, you know, he drinks or he parties or he, he's not a good person or, yeah, she, she's not the type that I'm looking for. I'm like, yeah, but it's prom, hot. And we still think of things like that. And it's so hard to break because it's just ingrained in us. It's ingrained in our parents. It's ingrained in our grandparents. Now, the standard of beauty changes over time. You know, at one point, way back in the day, before electronics and stuff, uh, you know, the more weight you had actually was considered more beautiful because it meant you were able to afford eating. Now, over time, and especially in America, that changed. And so it really digs at people. Now... Obviously, I think that, that guys like myself, we deal with this, but it's no—it's uh, definitely harder for women, for, for young girls, because it's always in your face. And, and you're always judged by it. You're always hurt by it. And, and you know, you're, you're judged if you weigh too much or you weigh too little. Wear too much makeup, too little makeup, and it's hard. And you judge yourself. And, and guys, it's different. Like, sometimes they're because they feel that way or because they feel like, oh, I don't have any abs or whatever, it's like, you know, they're told that doesn't really matter. You're a guy. Don't worry about that. So, you know, both sides. And again, I'm not comparing. I'm just saying that everybody struggles with this stuff. And my point is, like Peter said, this isn't where our heart is. Our heart is within and our, our spirit is within. Our, our, our way to be better is within. And that's where all of this starts. We shouldn't let things like that compromise, which is why the first, well, one of the first things I'm going to talk about right now is the list. Now, if you've heard me speak on Valentine's Day or near Valentine's Day before, I think this is the first time I've ever given this message actually on Valentine's Day. Terry didn't bring me chocolate, so I'm very sad, but I'm still going to speak. But to be fair, I didn't bring him flowers, so it works out. Uh, or did I? We'll see. But um, the list. Now, the list is super important. One of the things I said last week was you should only date people that you would be willing to marry. Now, again, that doesn't mean that if you go on a date that you're on that track to get married and that they have to, to trade cows or pigs or whatever to have that price. No, no, no. But you should have a list. Now, again, I'm going to talk largely about dating because it's Valentine's Day, relationships. It's once a year. It's what I do. But this goes with friendships, with, with any kind of relationship, too. Have a list. Have a list of what you're looking for in a husband. Have a list of what you want in a wife. Have a list of what you want in a friend. Now, over time, that list will change a little bit, but have these important things. Have these things that matter. Their faith, their heart, their kindness, their mercy, their humor. Whether or not they like video games. If they're insane and like Purdue. Whatever it is, that wouldn't be on the list. That'd be off the list. Whatever it is, you have that list. Now, please, do not write out like an actual list and carry this around. And every time you talk to somebody, like hold it up and look at them. I've had people do that to me. It's hurtful. But have this list in your head, in your heart. Have it somewhere where you know it. Where it matters. Now, again, wherever looks go on that, looks go on that. But how someone treats you matters. How they make you feel about yourself, about your looks. These things have to be on that list. Where we get into trouble with dating. And, and listen, first I want to say, I've said first like seven times. So whatever number I'm on here. I want to say that if you are not ready to date, 
Good. Don't be ready to date. If you've, you're a, a, a junior, a senior in high school, and you've not gone on a date, who cares? I didn't. Now, maybe you don't want to model yourself off of me, but I'm okay. Only date when you're ready to date. Don't let people pressure you into that. Don't let any, all of your other friends... Now, one of the things you see, and, and parents can speak to this too, because when couples are together, uh, there's a saying, and I'm, I've got a point, I'm all over the place, but I've got a point. There's a saying that if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Now, what that means is if you have a hammer, you really want to use it, and so you go around and you just smash things. Just cool. If you're in a couple, everything looks like a project. And so couples really want their friends to be in dates so they can have couple friends. They don't really care. No, it's not saying they don't care about you, but they just want that couple. It's a toy. And then, you know, once a couple has kids someday, they want everybody else to have kids, and that can be hard and pressuring and cruel too. But my point is, when it comes to dating, I'm going to talk about that, but if you're not ready, that's, there's nothing wrong with you. And if you are ready, there's nothing wrong with you. But it has to be on you. It has to be your decision. It has to go from your list, from your hope, from your within. And so that list is important. I want to go to the next passage, which is 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish, thing, childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and complete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, obviously, this is Paul speaking about going to heaven someday and how on earth everything is incomplete, regardless of how it feels, regardless of what you see, and you learn more, and you grow more, and, and you, know, you get to heaven, and you realize everything, but that love matters. But this also can apply to other things. Uh, one of the most hurtful things that can happen to you, uh, let's say that you have a boyfriend or you have a girlfriend, you have somebody that you really care about, and, and whether it's your parents or other adults or somebody else, they're like, it's just puppy love. Yeah, you don't, it's, you'll get over that. That's mean. Now, does that mean that you're going to marry, if you're 14, that you're going to marry that person when you're up? Probably not. But if you feel that love, that feeling is real. That, that feeling is real. And so, you know, Children love differently than teenagers love, than adults love. It, it happens. Over time, your understanding of love grows. Over time, what and how you love grows, hopefully, as you mature. But it still feels real. And so I want to uh, tell you that right now. It, it feels real. That feeling is good. But love is also an action. And again, how people treat you matters. Matters far more than looks. Matters far more than anything. How they treat you. How they make you feel about yourself. Going back to the notebook for a second, and I realized that I minimized the story somewhat, but these things legit happen. To gaslight somebody and to say, you just don't like me because your parents don't like me, that's a jerk move. That's a total clown show. And people say that without thinking. Like, oh, yeah, you would like me if you tried, or blah, 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 all this stuff. Uh, you know, there's a thing called the friend zone. There's a thing called not a friend zone, all these things. What it comes down to, if you don't like somebody, you're not required to like them. Now, you're called to love them in a different way. But that should go with your list. It should go with how you feel, and it should grow. Uh, right now, Beatrice, and definitely this doesn't involve dating because she's not allowed to date until I'm dead, as I've said. But 
Beatrice is not quite two years old, and she started to get into baby dolls, and she has a, a Cabbage Patch kit, which strangely looks like me when I was a baby. And, and so, except way small. And so she loves this baby. She carries it around, and its name is Bebe Doll, because she's little, and it's cute. Uh, and, and she loves this baby. Now, does, that, is that, does she love that in the same way that, that Amber loves her? Does she love that in the same way your parents love you? No, obviously not, but that love to her feels real. And so if you took that baby away from her, she doesn't understand it. All she'd know is it hurts. Now, as she grows, she'll love friends. She'll love family. All of these things change. As you grow, you, you, you love other people. You look for love in other people. You look for connection. You look for, for uh, relationship. That's natural. And, and your understanding of that grows. And this is saying, let it grow. When you're really young, you're going to have posters on your wall from, from teen magazines. You're going to have, like, I, I don't know who's hot right now. Uh, I think Terry said that he had a Jonas Brothers poster up or something. And so it's like, you know, you're going to have, I'm just joking, probably. But you're going to have, like, teen heartthrobs up because they're hot, and that's what's attractive to you. But over time, that changes because you realize that there's, that's not a real thing. You realize that you've grown past that. You've grown into that. You've changed. You've grown. Your parents, they've changed. They've grown, and they still are. And so our understanding, our feeling for love grows with us. And so let it mature. Uh, allow yourself to grow. If somebody says, well, but you used to like this, who cares? You're different now. It also means that you are worth loving. Uh, one of the things that I, I can go back to Beatrice again. One of the things that we talk about, I talked to Amber about, is Amber's very happy that she has uh, strong male influences in her life. Because over time, if you're a, a boy and you grew up without uh, strong female influences or male influences, one or the other, girl, same thing. Like, you know, if you grow up like that, it doesn't mean that you're impossible to fix. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. But often we uh, get our sense of worth from how the opposite sex treats us as a baby. And I don't understand it. It's scientific and I'm going into weird territory. But my point is, she has people in her life that love her and let her know that. Men, women, boys, girls, children, whatever. They, they let her know that. Because she's worth loving. Uh, I grew up in a different situation. My parents loved me. My great-grandparents loved me. But the way that they showed it was different. I, I, I grew up largely alone. And over time, that's changed and it's grown and all of these things and different stories. And I'm not going to get into my whole story. But it's very hard for me to feel loved. It's very hard for me to, to accept that. I, I'm always judging myself. I'm constantly thinking, well, I don't deserve love. If I do this, then they'll hate me. If I say this, then they'll think wrong. After every single message, every single message that I give, I go through this period of time. And sometimes it's a couple minutes. Sometimes it's a couple years. I go through this period of time where I'm like, man, if I said that wrong, somebody's going to hate me. And I, I base my life on that with all kinds of things, and it, it's hard. And I hope that none of you understand that, but the odds are some of you understand that. And this passage absolutely says that your understanding of love grows, but you always deserve love. You are enough. You do not have to look a different way. You don't have to believe a different way. You don't have to say different things. You don't have to buy different things to earn love. You are loved, and you should be loved. And if anybody makes you feel like you have to change for their love, it's not a healthy love. Now, 
do not take that and be like, man, mom wants me to, to clean my room and it sucks because I don't want to clean my room and so she doesn't love me how I am. That's not what that means. Clean your room. Because if you don't, eventually you're going to grow up and you're not going to know how. But I'm saying, if somebody says, you have to do this or I, you really don't love me. You have to go this far. You have to say this. You have to go here. Or you really don't love me. No, no, no. It starts with understanding that you deserve love. I don't care who you are. You deserve love. Every single person hearing this, whether you're a teen, an adult, an adult plus, you deserve love. For some of us, it's harder to believe. It's harder for us to accept. But God loves you no matter what, no matter who you are. And so you deserve love. You have that love. You don't have to change or earn something or date a certain person to get that love. So that should be on your list too. That's what this is saying because love lasts forever. Love is the greatest thing and you have that. You've earned that. You are enough. Now you can grow, you can improve all of these things, but not to earn love. You can grow and improve so that you can grow and improve because you want to. Last part of the scripture, or last scripture, I guess. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16. You notice I didn't use the actual like love chapter from Corinthians. The reason for that. I will at some point. Uh, 14 through 16. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can the righteous be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? The, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So this is an important passage. It's a passage that is sometimes used to judge and hurt people. But the central idea here is be with people who believe like you. Now, I've got a bunch of things to say about this, and I realize I'm getting kind of close on time, but it is what it is. It's not just about them changing you. Uh, I have, again, been a youth pastor for a long time now, and there have been times where it started with the, the guy or the girl, either one, wasn't a Christian, didn't have any interest in it, and, you know, the, the Christian girl, the Christian boy, they, they started dating them, and their intent is to bring them to church. Not going to work. So I will tell you this, it's not usually going to work. I'll tell you this, it's always going to be easier to sleep in on Sundays. It's always going to be easier to stay home on Sunday nights. It's always going to be easier to stay home on Tuesday nights. It's always going to be easier to go out to eat, to go out to the club. All those things are going to be easier than going to church. You have to want to make that decision to make that decision. And so, you know, it starts out the same often. And they'll be like, yo, I'm going to miss this week because I, I, we're going to go out to eat. It's our anniversary. And the next week it's something else. And then the next week it's something else. And before long I don't see them anymore. And so, yes, that is absolutely a thing. And most people that use this passage, they say it because of that. Like, hey, they're going to change you. And every single person listening to this has at some point in their life saying, well, that's for them. I'm different. It's just like the same way that uh, teams continue to hire Mike McCarthy in, in football. Or bad coaches. Because like, hey, the GM's like, hey, I'm different. I can make this work. Josh Gordon, a receiver, and I go, I'm going too far for some people, but he's a receiver who had constant drug problems and kept getting suspended and kept having trouble, but he kept getting jobs because he had talent. Because every coach was like, I can make this different. And we all feel that way. Well, yeah, I've seen my friends give in to this pressure, and I've seen my friends change, but I'm different. 
And that matters. But it also works the other way. Because let's say that you do pressure them to come to church with you. And you do pressure them to, to start to become a Christian. Now, I'm not going to say it's bad for them to change, obviously, because we want them to be Christian. We want them to, to grow that faith. But that is a decision you have to make for yourself. To make that decision just because you're afraid of being dumped, that's not going to last. It's not healthy. And so this is for both people, all people. Uh, again, this doesn't mean don't witness. It doesn't mean don't have friends that aren't Christian. It doesn't mean don't have friends that don't believe like you, that believe whatever. But when you try to witness in a loving relationship, in a relationship where it's dating, man, that goes away. Man, that changes because how you feel changes. And go back to the notebook again. How they felt about each other changed. And each of them changed in different ways. Each of them compromised in different ways. And love is about compromise, but I'm talking what they believe, what they want. We do that sometimes. And so you want that to be a not a dating relationship. Witnessing does matter. Being close to people does matter. But this passage says, hey, this is for you. This is for you and for them to, to not have to feel like you have to change something about yourself to earn that love because you don't. I talked about the list. I've talked about that. I've talked about all, of, all kinds of other things. I'm going to go to the ladder. This is my favorite thing to talk about, kind of. It's something that I invented a long time ago, probably. I'm the first one I heard say about it. Uh, it it's, it's why I do this message every year. The list matters. Everything that I just said matters. Not because I said it, but because it's true, because it's helpful. But the latter, uh, let's say that the latter is about dating. But it's also about any relationship you have. Like I said, it's about what you will allow to happen. So before I go to the dating, I'm going to go to friendships. I'm going to go to uh, employee, whatever. Let's say that somebody comes up and they make a hurtful joke at your expense. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. And you don't say anything or you accept it. Well, every time they come up to you now, they'll know that they can make that joke because it's okay. And then it'll move up to something else. Maybe they physically hurt you. Maybe they uh, make harsher jokes. Maybe they say something worse. And you're like, oh, well, I'm accepting this because they're my boss or because they're my friend or because they're hurting or because they're cute, whatever. Then the next time, same thing and worse. It always stops. It always starts where it stops. Now, dating, it's much easier to explain this. Uh, let's say that little Robbie is about to go on a date and, and he's so excited. And he sees little Tara and, and he's like, oh, she's so dreamy. And, and I just really want to ask her out. And so he goes and he asks her out. He builds up his courage. He has a little wilted rose in his hand. He's just so happy and so excited. He's on his little bike. I don't know why you ride a bike like that, but whatever. So on his little bike, and he goes up, and he's like, hey, will you go out with me? And she says yes. And Robbie's so excited, and so they go out. And so this whole day, they go to the movies, and they go to see Titanic. And so they go to the movies. And, and another movie that's a horrible representation of love, by the way. She destroys her family's fortune for some kid. But anyway, side note. 
uh, he, they go to the movies. And so the whole time, you know, they're sitting next to each other and, and her hand is on the armrest and his hand is on his armrest. And he's like sweating and he's like not paying attention to the movie, dog, because he's looking at her hand and he's like, did it twitch? You know, did she look my way? Did she move? Did her legs cross this way? And he's like, what if I put my little finger out a little bit? He does and it touches her. She doesn't pull away. And so, you know, he slides over a little more and they hold hands. And it's so magical. He couldn't tell you what the movie was because fireworks are going on in his heart. And he's so happy and so excited and she's so happy and so excited. And they hold hands and they run out and they tell their friends and they tell their family and they tell everybody. And people at Walmart are like, what are you talking about? I don't care. I don't know you. You're a kid. But they're holding hands. And it's so magical. And it was such a big step because they'd been out before and they'd talked for a while and they knew each other and that holding hands was such a big step. Step one. Now, they go out again next week. They hold hands right away because they've done it. They know they're comfortable with it. They know they can do it. They've accepted that about each other. Loses a little bit of its magic. It's still fun. Still makes their hearts beat. Well, I guess blood does that, but it still, it still makes it beat a little faster. Still makes them happy. They still see the fireworks. But it's old hat. They do it. And so now, you know, their mind turns to that first kiss. And so they go out and, you know, they're holding hands and they're talking and, and in their minds they're thinking, is he going to kiss me? Is she going to kiss me? What should I do? How should I do this? Does my breath smell okay? I shouldn't have ordered that onion burrito. And so, you know, third date, fourth date, whatever, the kids. He walks her home. And they're holding hands and he walks her up to the door and she kind of fidgets in her pocket with her keys and, and they're just kind of chit-chatting. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. And he goes 90, and she comes 10. And so they kiss. And man, those fireworks, they, they're huge, and, and their hearts explode, and they're so happy, and it's so magical. Then the next date, they kiss first. Because they've done it. That's the ladder. Wherever you stop, that's where you start the next time. And so you have to be comfortable with whatever line you have. You have to have that conversation. You have to have that talk. You have to have that list. And if you're with anybody who wants to push you up the ladder beyond where you're comfortable, they're the wrong person. I don't care how long you've known them. I don't care who they are. I don't care how attractive they are. I don't care how much money they have. That's important. Now, it's an awkward conversation to have at the beginning. It's an awkward conversation to talk about. But it's important. Because when you're in the heat of the moment, and I realize this is uncomfortable, when you're in the heat of the moment, sometimes you're not thinking. And so all you know is, well, I can hold hands and I know we can kiss. There's a lot of room. Now, a lot of people say, I'm not going to have sex till I'm married. And a lot of people believe it. But they shoot up the ladder. They're like, this isn't sex, this isn't sex, this isn't sex. But they keep pushing that line. They keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And then all of a sudden, it's happened. And they're like, what happened? I didn't mean to do this. I, don't, I didn't know. That's why the ladder matters. That's why that line matters. Now again, this is obviously about dating. But it works for what you will accept in terms of jokes, in terms of how people treat you, in terms of what you think you deserve. You don't have to change your line. You don't have to change yourself for anybody. God loves you. Already, as you are. This is 
an exciting message for me to give. It's also a tough message for me to give because, again, I judge myself harshly. And it can be awkward, and it's less awkward when it's just me and Terry in the room. But it can be awkward when you look out and there's like sixth graders in the room, and you're like, they don't know anything about dating yet. It can be awkward knowing that there are parents and adults watching me. I'm called to give this message because this is important because sometimes we don't talk about this because it's awkward. This is important because you are worth it. You are worth my awkwardness. You are worth the awkwardness of any conversation. You are worth the love that you have already no matter what happens in your life. Now, one more thing that I'll say before I close. Let's say that you're watching this. You're like, man, I wish that I'd heard this years ago. I wish that I'd thought about this. I've already made a mistake. I've already made a bad choice. I'm, I'm stuck. No, you're not. Now, one of the things I've said before in messages is when you make a change, your past doesn't magically disappear on earth. There are still consequences. But in terms of God, it's clean. And so you could say, man, I've already made this choice. I wish I hadn't, but I'm going to stand strong now. I'm going to make a list. I'm going to watch the ladder. I'm going to have a line. I'm going to have these conversations because I'm worth it. It's never too late. You can always be forgiven. You were always worth it. You were always enough. That's all I got.